It's another persistent and nasty podcast here. You can follow us on all social media, Twitter at Persistent Nasty, Instagram at Persistent and Nasty and Facebook Persistent and Nasty. Before Misha gives you the info on today's episode, just to let you know that this was our very first Skype interview. It's really great and really exciting that we can reach out across to women all over the world. Now I'll leave you in the very capable hands of Misha. Hello, hello and welcome to another persistent and nasty podcast. This week I'm talking to the absolute kick-ass Sarah Schlesinger. This chat has actually been in our nasty bank since May and we've been waiting for the perfect moment to share it with you. So why today you might ask? Well today, this fine Friday, Sarah is performing live her TEDx talk at the Wusong University in South Korea and she's opening with the question, when a woman speaks, do you believe her or doubt her? I mean, I am so excited to hear what Sarah has to say on this. Um, She is such an eloquent and intelligent advocate for intersectional feminism and she is just one of the absolute fighters and I'm just really, really excited to be able to share that TEDx talk. But until that goes live, we have got an amazing podcast for you. So in this chat, Sarah talks about her decision to be sterilised at age 23 and the hurdles she had to overcome to do so. So it's a really interesting chat. Um, We cover a huge range of really important topics. So I hope you enjoy and find it as interesting as I did. So sit back, relax and enjoy some seriously nasty woman. So yeah, hi. Hi. (laughs) Thank you so much for taking the time uh, and calling from so far away. It's absolutely my pleasure. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> so, um, you reached out to us because of our menopause periods and motherhood shout out. And, um, yeah, so I feel like we should just barrel on and let you um, explain why you reached out and tell us your story. Yeah. So, uh, I guess first things first, my name is Sarah Schlesinger. Um, As I'm sure you can tell by my accent, I'm American. I'm from New York City, uh, and I lived in Scotland for about two years, and now I'm living in South Korea. So, when I saw your shout-out, I thought I might have something, uh, a, a perspective that's slightly less common that I could bring to the table, in that I'm 26 years old, but at age 23, I had my fallopian tubes removed from my body in an elective surgery. I did not need them removed. There was no health reason to get them removed, but I wanted them out. And so I thought that I would kind of talk about the expectations that people have for women to be mothers in society and sort of the expectation that people uh, have that women want to be 
mothers and the reality that some women don't want children and are aware that they don't want children really young and just sort of what what that journey was like to me knowing that about myself, being very secure in that, and then facing so many obstacles to actually get my tubes removed. Yeah, because I remember speaking to you about it. Was it before you had the surgery that I'd spoke to you? Um, I believe, no, it would have been after because I had it in December of 2016. Okay, yeah, but I remember kind of hearing um, you had quite a lot of trouble with the doctors taking you seriously and actually allowing you to go through with it do you feel like that was because of your age or do you think that that would have happened no matter what age you were well uh I think that to some extent it would happen to any woman seeking this just because of you know the the kind of pervasive idea that you know women want to be or should be or will eventually want to be mothers um but there's actually there's a term for this it's called medical paternalism and it's where doctors usually male doctors but uh women doctors can do this too they they have ingrained certain sexist or patriarchal ideas about women's bodies and how women's bodies should receive certain types of medical care or how uh, certain symptoms are presented in people. And they, they use this bias to affect how they treat their patients. So I actually kind of, I, I wrote down <laughs> reasons that doctors have refused me the surgery uh, because if, if you want to get your tubes removed in the United States, there's no, like, state-by-state limitation. There's one federal guideline, which means that it affects all 50 states equally. And the only sort of legal limitation is that you, you must be at least 21 years old and you must be mentally competent, which means that you don't have a guardian legally uh, or a mental condition that would make you unable to consent to this medical procedure or any other medical procedures, and that you need to have a 30-day waiting period from the date of your initial request before you can get the surgery. Um, so that's the only like legal limitation. But mm-hmm. because it's an elective procedure, any doctor can choose to do it or not, just based on what they think. And this is where medical paternalism comes in. Uh, and, and can be a real limiting factor. Wow. So you had so, to really work to yeah. find a doctor that would do the procedure for you. Yeah, because I... So I ended up teaming up with a doula. A doula, when, when you think of a doula, they're usually sort of associated with pregnant women as uh-huh. sort of helping out pregnant women. But actually, doulas are... Uh, their scope of practice is to help all women about sort of their bodies and reproductive abilities. So when... I was lucky enough to find this doula. She she connected me to a more open-minded doctor, and he's the one who eventually did the surgery. But even with him, uh, he made me go to therapy for over six months, and I had to get uh, a signed letter from a therapist saying that I was of sound mind and clear judgment. Um, wow. After, well, there's more. Oh, my God. <laughs> so after that, I had to write, sign, and get a paper notarized by a notary public. Uh, which is like sort of an official clerk promising that I would not sue him or his office if I ever have regret. Uh, after I got the letter from the therapist saying that I was of sound mind, I had to wait an additional three months. Uh, I had to speak to and convince every other doctor in his clinic that I was absolutely sure of going ahead with this procedure. And I had to get all of them to support my decision before he would be willing to do the surgery. Uh, and then on the day of the procedure, my, my former partner actually was 
uh, with me in the hospital. He was going to take me home from the hospital after the procedure. And the doctor asked him what he thought about it all. Uh, and did he, you know, support my decision? And luckily, my, my former partner was very much, you know, in my corner. And he's like, look, it's her body. It's her choice. I support her decision 100%, mm-hmm. which was wonderful and was the only correct response at the time. Yeah, <laughs> then and now. Um, but when I was talking to the, the doctor in my follow-up appointments, he told me that uh, if my then partner had expressed anything other than a total support of me and my choice on the day of the surgery, that he would have likely canceled the surgery and not done it. And that a major reason he did the surgery, like, well, that he decided to do it was that Donald Trump was elected. And he said that if Donald Trump had not been elected uh, the November just before, that he likely would have tried to delay me or, or refuse the surgery as well as so many other doctors had done before. Because I started looking to get my tubes removed when I was 18 years old, which is the legal age of adulthood in the yeah. United States. Fuck. So I... it took me it took me five years after I became a legal adult to have both the legal right after age 21, but then to actually practically have the surgery done, even though I was an adult with full legal rights. That's just crazy. And I can't believe that your your partner your former partner's opinion on it could have swayed the doctor i find that really grating that yeah. oh yeah that a male opinion of over yeah. your mind and body could yes. have such a a huge sway in the final outcome i just think that's i mean it speaks volumes about the kind of yeah. internalized um patriarchal kind of yeah yeah drives you mad well these are some reasons that doctors had said no to me uh when i had told them that i wanted to have this procedure done uh so first of all most of them said i was too young which sort of goes back to what you had asked before about you know just having it being related to my age but most of them wanted me to be either 30 or 35 years old before they would be willing to consider doing the surgery which just to clarify, in the USA, at age 18, I can legally vote, I can own a car or a home, I can drive vehicles on land, sea, and sky, I can join the army, I can buy and legally use guns, uh, I can vote for any office in the land, including voting for the president, I can legally marry, I can get t- tattooed, I can have children with no problems, and you know, no one will make you go to therapy to, to see if you're really ready to have a child. Um, And so at age 18, the only thing I'm not legally allowed to do in the U.S. uh, is drink alcohol. So why am I mature enough at age 18 to, you know, theoretically vote, own a car, own a home, drive a vehicle, join the army, buy a gun, vote for the the president of the United States, you know, have a child. Uh, But then I'm not old enough to decide that I don't want to be a mother. So there's, there's a very, like twisted bias in that like why am I mature enough for one but not the other and the fact that I thought that was a really interesting point that they wouldn't make you go to therapy to see if you're sound mind to actually have a child which is much Uh more life-altering and requires more of a sound mind you might say that then deciding of yourself that that's not a path that you want and so you're going to take the action to make sure it doesn't it happen I just think that's exactly. really 
it is so interesting and the therapy well, that they made you go to sorry if you don't mind me asking about no, it yeah. um sure, sure. were they were the therapists would you did you feel like they were biased about it did you feel like they were trying to change your mind and convince you that you were wrong or were they quite good at listening and understanding how did you find that well that was interesting because the therapist that I saw um I've, I've been to therapy before so I'm kind of familiar with how people um ask questions of, of their clients uh just because it's something that I've I've had before and I'm, I'm familiar with through its experience um this therapist we obviously talked mostly about like why i didn't want children how did i know i could be sure what if i had regret what sort of tactical plans did i have in place so for example my father is adopted my father was adopted and grew up not knowing that he was adopted he only found out he was adopted later on in life um and i had a cousin as well who was adopted so you know if i ever my thinking was if I ever got severely concussed and decided that I didn't want a child after all, <laughs> then I would just adopt. Um, and, you know, then he would ask questions like, well, you know, some people feel the need to have like a biological child. So what if you get concussed and then have that need? <laughs> you know, what are you going to do about it? In which case I could opt to remove one of my eggs and go through a whole process of surrogacy. Like I thought about it a lot in terms of, you know, if I did have regret, like genuinely. Yeah. Uh, what would I what would I do? Because I I didn't think I was making the decision from a place of rashness or from a place of impulsivity. But I fully admit that you know people's perspectives can change over time. And while like it's not in my personality to be that way. Like I've been a vegetarian for 19 years because at age seven I decided I didn't want to eat meat anymore. So usually when I make like <laughs> a long term decision. I have a trend of sticking to it, so <laughs> this is it. Uh, yeah, so I, I don't. I really. I think it would take a really massive concussion or or a really stellar hypnotist to ever make me even think that I wanted a child. But I thought about realistic op- realist realistic options and realistic sort of things that I could do if that was the case. Um, the therapist definitely was cautious. I think because of my age. Uh, and also because of my fervency, like one thing I got asked was like, well, why don't you just use birth control? You know, why, why not just use birth control? Uh, but I've tried many types of oral or hormonal contraceptives and they've all had pretty universal negative side effects for my Mm -hmm. body physically. Um, just really rough stuff, like constant bleeding, obviously things that other women go through as well. That's quite common, like weight gain and and such and other sources of pain, increase in symptoms. Um, and obviously I practice safe sex when I have sex, uh, with men and women, because I have sex with both. I always use protection. I'm not looking to catch anything from anyone, uh, (laughs) whether that's a disease or a child. (laughs) Um, but I, I never, I have always known, even since my own childhood, like when I was in middle school, I've always known that I never wanted to be pregnant or have children and removing my tubes was the only way to sort of do that 100% because, you know, unfortunately, no matter how responsible you are in your sex life, accidents can happen. Mistakes can happen. And being a little dark for a second, assaults also can happen. And just because you are in your life like a a well-educated and like sexually responsible person doesn't necessarily mean that you won't accidentally end up pregnant through no desire of your own. And I wanted to 
have this control of my bodily autonomy, to, to make my body fully mine, to know that my future is fully mine, that I go forward seeking what makes my life filled with joy and where my passions are, my focus is, um, and, and that I can do that without fear of, of an accident or without fear of, you know, God forbid, an assault or something like that, that my body can never be turned against itself in this way, that it is only and forever mine. That's amazing. It's, I mean, I, I absolutely just, I'm so, I just think it's amazing how strong and how much you fought for this. And I absolutely think that the decision you've made is like the right one for you. But I just yeah. think it, I do think it is absolutely amazing how, how hard you've had to fight for your own autonomy and and yeah. for that to be recognized i just i find that and i i can see where people come from because our society has led us to believe that that is an unnatural decision that as a woman we are supposed to want children and and so i understand how people can kind of be a bit caught off guard by that and think oh well maybe maybe you'll change your mind but at the same time who is it, who are they to say but what if you'll change your mind it's your body exactly. and that's your choice the same way exactly. the same way as abortion the same way as as any of yeah. these things which where people aren't given full rights to their own choice and well and l- let's talk about bodily autonomy for a second because yeah. in america right now uh, as i'm sure you've been seeing on the news, uh, if, if you've been keeping up with any sort of American politics, they're yeah. passing some really regressive uh, abortion bans yeah. that frankly will impact the health of women and will lead to the deaths of women if yes. they are enacted and if they are enforced. And there's a thing in America where bodily autonomy legally also applies to corpses. So let's say, for example, I have a little sister, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say she and I have weird blood. We're mutants. We're each other's only exact match in the entire world. Uh, and we're in a car accident. And I die, right? Uh-huh. And she is gravely injured. And she needs something from me. She needs my blood. She needs an organ, whatever it is. If I have not, prior to my death, written my express consent on paper, mm-hmm. She cannot have access to what she needs from me, even if it is the only way to save her life, even if I am the only match, and even though we are related by blood, and even though I'm dead and am not using my body anymore. So legally, in the United States, where certain issues are concerned, you have more rights over your bodily autonomy as a corpse than as a living woman. Wow. It's just, yeah. I've been following, I have been following everything that's going on and I just, it is absolutely horrific. Yeah. And I just, I I can't imagine how how it must feel to be an American woman right now, knowing that that's the, the future in your country and the way it's going and the women in Northern Ireland as well who are fighting to change their laws. And it is, it's, I, I'm so... I, I literally am speechless about the government that we have across the world, really, and how yeah. it is. It's so regressive. I can't even formulate a, a full sentence. I'm so 
my head's just absolutely unable to comprehend the level of absolute wrongness, like just blatant wrongness of this, of the laws being passed by these men who don't, they just, they, they can't possibly have any understanding or any rights over making that decision I just I can't even talk about it for just my yeah. brain just goes into meltdown I just and it's honestly something it's honestly something that we could talk about for for hours and hours and hours yeah down from in so many issues in so many ways from like the mostly male lawmakers but also the female lawmakers too who are who are pushing this um and how this is why I think medical paternalism is such an insidious thing because it's not just men who do it it's women who do it too like one doctor who refused me even to get my tubes out she was a a female doctor and she told me verbatim this is her quote all women were made to be mothers fuck which is just like girl i thought you were on my side come on Oh. Um, but just, but but this is what I'm saying is like it's it's not just a thing that men do; it's a thing that women do to other women also. That women police other women. Um, so there's there's issues where that's concerned. There's issues where you know the the influence of, of religion, but specifically of Christianity, um, you know, is is sort of seeping into American law. And of course, American law is what I'm more familiar with because that's 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 what I know that's where I'm from that's what I've seen change over time um because for example uh my family is Jewish and in the Jewish interpretation of abortion Jews generally are are encouraged and thought to choose life by which I mean the life of the woman already living who was the mother so Mm -hmm. abortion is completely fine it's completely kosher because you must save the life of the person who is already living and that's the that's the mom that's the woman so this is a very sort of, you know, the rise of the Christian right in America and how that's influencing laws and increasing, you know, patriarchal standards legally and medically, um, which even goes back to what my doctor had said about one of the reasons he had agreed to do the procedure was the election of Donald Trump and his fear that, you know, women's rights and, uh, and women's autonomy would be taken away from them and that, you know, if I was going to receive this procedure, I should probably get it now before there was maybe a legal barrier to doing so. Yeah. Um, Man. I'm sorry so that you've had is, such a fight with it. it it's just... It, it It's crazy that there's so many levels that you need to think about in that... With yeah. it. Yeah, and let me just also clarify, like, I don't want children for, like, a lot of reasons, right? It's not... I think people kind of underestimate the thought that went into it, and so I was fighting for it, even even though it might seem frivolous on the outside, I was fighting for it because of reasons that I felt were very important to me in my life. Yeah. Like, um, you know, part of it was just a lack of desire for children. I've never had that sort of maternal instinct, I've never felt it, I've never felt that sort of deep pull to want children. I don't really understand it, honestly, when I hear other people talk about it and other women and other men because I've heard men who are like really into the idea of having a baby someday and I just don't get it but to me it's also like sort of what I had said before about children changing your life right yeah they are for they're about two decades of investment right for two decades you're giving away 
your money, your resources, opportunities, emotional energy, your time. And you have no idea what this child will be, right? You yeah. hope that there's some combination of, you know, sort of the best bits of you and, and your partner. But they might turn out entirely differently from both of you. They might turn out to be terrible humans. You have no idea. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's just random. Um, and so for someone like me who I really want to live my life for me with my partners or my friends, my family, achieving my goals, my dreams, my desires, living as full of a life as possible, why would I like sacrifice two decades of my life at least for a stranger who may or may not be like me or may or may not be like a partner that I've never wanted in the first place, right? Right. And, you know, my father being adopted, like, I know that family is so much more than blood. And my DNA at the end of the day is not that important. Like, no one needs my DNA. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I, I, I can make a legacy not through having a child, but through making art, through affecting people, through the relationships that I have with the people who are in my life, through the things that I do. No one needs my DNA, <laughs> you know? It, I just, it's amazing. I love that you're so... Aware. I mean, obviously, like, my, my, I am very maternal and I know that I want children, but I, I absolutely can see that people don't always want children. And I've got other friends as well who've said, Do you know, I actually just have no interest in it. And at the end of the day, the world is so overpopulated. It's not, it's not going to be a disaster if some people decide they don't want children. So, yeah. If your choice is to live your life and live it to the fullest and leave your legacy in other ways, then that's, I mean, that's admirable, isn't it? It's just... Well, that's also just feminism. Like, that's the whole idea is that, you know, men and women should be able to have equal access to, to be able to make equal choices uh, and have equal opportunities. So, you know, if you want to have children someday, then go and have them. And, and I hope they're beautiful and smart and everything that you want them to be. Uh, you know, I hope, yeah. that, I hope they're great. I hope they visit you all the time on the holidays. Like, you know, like, I know exactly. I the best kids. But, <laughs> but I think it comes down to, like, it should be about our choice. And the fact, like, you know, if I wanted to, and obviously this is not as extreme, right? Mm -hmm. But if I get a tattoo that changes your life, right? That's a life-changing thing. You have ink on your body, you can't get it out. You know, laser exists and stuff, but it's very expensive and difficult. Um, but, but no one's going to make you go to therapy to be like, hey, do you really know if you want to have a tattoo? It's yeah. going to change your life. Um, and for me to have my fallopian tubes removed, I understand that there's obviously a lot more weight behind that than getting a simple tattoo. You know, I'm mm -hmm. purposely removing a capability that my body naturally has. I am removing... And, uh, you know, a piece of my anatomy that is not physically harmful to me for no immediate medical cause. And I understand that that is a, that can be seen as an extreme thing to do. But it comes down to my choice and my autonomy to create the future that I want, which is one that ultimately I find very empowering in that I completely own my body. My body is fully mine. And I know that I never can have children. And that gives me a sense of, of empowerment and purpose and freedom because it means that I can build my life exactly how I want it to be built. Exactly and I feel like actually on that kind of the thought process of the tattoo nobody nobody would ask you questions before you got a tattoo. What about all the dramatic um, plastic surgery that people get as well with like when they get their tongues split or when they get 
like holes put in their cheeks and all the like the breast reduction and breast um, implants, implants and removing ribs to make waist smaller. I mean, I know that they're not common, but neither neither is what you you went through. But realistically, it's interesting that, it, well, it's interesting that you bring that up because I live in South Korea now, and the prevalence of of like unnecessary cosmetic surgery is actually quite high here, um, especially in like the the bigger city areas. It's often something that even teenagers will be given by their parents is like you've graduated high school here's a plastic surgery wow um, yeah but i i think it's interesting and obviously you know i think that any any decision should be made with thought involved right like i should not have rushed into getting my tubes removed i did do a lot of thinking about it i did a lot of consistent thinking about it yeah um and i still made the decision and i think that any any intense procedure uh, should be made with just as much thought. You should really think about it. You should come up with, you know, a plan if things go wrong, you know, and what you hope will go right. But it's interesting that you can have so many other surgeries, you know, elective medically unnecessary surgeries done to your body that in some way changes its function or form and that that's, you know, relatively socially acceptable. But the fact that this involves my capacity to bear children that makes it very, you know, extreme to some people. Yeah. It almost is like I'm removing a part of my, you know, connection to womanhood or something. I had someone tell me that as well, that I was removing my womanhood, which is like, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm doing at all. I'm removing an unnecessary thing in my body. Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, like, if you link it into then menopause, women who go through menopause they've not lost their womanhood because their hormone balance has changed. They are exactly. still women. It's just and they're women that are free from periods monthly and free from... Yeah, and like... Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 on you go, on you go. I was just going to say, likewise, you know, there are women who are naturally infertile. They're not any less women. You know, trans women don't have uteruses, but they're not any less women. You know, you do, your womanhood is not tied to your ability to reproduce. Absolutely. And... I think it's very, you know, regressive to, to break a woman down to being only a womb or only a uterus or, uh, you know, only her capacity to, to create a child. Uh, I think it's quite regressive. Yeah. Um, and I think that these thoughts are not extreme. I think that they have a very logical flow to them. And obviously I'm biased because they're my thoughts. So, of course, I feel like they're logical. Um, but it's... It's interesting that when I have spoken about this to people, a lot of times the reaction I get is that I have done something quite extreme uh, and, and, like, very shocking. I think that as time goes on, I think this that kind of procedure will be more common with women who are wanting exactly what you want, total autonomy and total control over their bodies. I think that it seems extreme now because it's not something that we've seen and heard and it's not something that's widely talked about or um, encouraged, definitely not encouraged. So I think probably as, hopefully as... Well, and this might sound sound strange to say, but I don't know that I would even encourage it necessarily. Like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm encouraging all women who, you know, are maybe unsure of their futures that they should get their tubes removed but I think that if you are sure 
that this is something you want, then you should have access to be able to do that because we're legal adults. And as legal adults, we have a right to own our bodies. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to encourage people to have children. I don't want to encourage people not to have children. I want to encourage people to be introspective and to decide for themselves. Like, you know, because this is, this is another thing I think is kind of interesting. Um, and maybe why my case was a little uncommon is that I had done a lot of thinking about whether or not I wanted children at, you know, a relatively young age. Because the first time I went to ask about getting my tubes removed, I was 18 years old. It was just a few days after my 18th birthday. Um, I'd been thinking about it all through, like, uh, high school um, and even earlier in, at, near the end of middle school that I knew for sure I didn't want kids. Um, but I think a lot of people kind of... In life, we have this idea of milestones that we're supposed to hit, right? Yeah. Graduate high school, go to college go, or university, um, get a job, find a partner, get married, and then babies. <laughs> you know, it's kind of so far in the future that it's this little question mark that people don't really think about. And I think that we should think about it um, because that's – and uh, at least in my personal experience, like – because I have thought about it, I have been able to make decisions about things that I've accepted, like opportunities I've accepted in my life, opportunities I've turned down, um, and sort of even my relationships with people have obviously been greatly impacted by my decision not to ever have children. Yeah. So any you know future partner that I have, um, you know, they need to not want children too, because for me that's that's a make or break thing. Absolutely. Like I'm not willing to have them. I don't want to adopt. I don't want children. Um, but a lot of people, because it's kind of like, you know, go to college, get a job, get a partner, marry babies. Like <laughs> they don't think about it. That can have a big impact on them. Yeah. You know, and they might start building their future in a certain direction and then realize like, Oh crap, I really did want children or Oh crap. I really don't want children. And then they're in a situation that they never wanted to be in because they didn't put the thought in first. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think so. And I know that we, we spoke about this, um, before, but, um, I know, so I know already, but I would like to hear, hear it again because obviously it's really interesting about everything that happened with your partner, your former partner. I know that that was, because that you were still with him when you were still making this decision yes. and prior to you getting the surgery. I wondered yes. if you would so, tell us a bit about of that. Yeah, of course. So uh, let me clarify first. I don't have any, like, negative feelings towards my former partner. You know, like, I wish him all the best. I hope he's doing well. I hope someday he has all the beautiful babies he wants. But ultimately, uh, so let me, let me, I guess, tell the story from the beginning. We were together. And I, I actually told him the first date we ever had that I didn't want children. I think I was complaining about how difficult it was to find a doctor willing to do the surgery, um, which is a great first date conversation. I really recommend it. <laughs> Definitely gets things going smoothly. Um, Start as you mean you know, to go guess, on. Yeah. Um, and so... When we were together, you know, I, I was very clear from the beginning that I didn't want children. I was not keen on it. And as things started to get more serious between us, I said that he needed to tell me if he wanted children because if he did, it, we wouldn't be able to have a relationship. And, you know, he thought about it and he came back to me and he said, well, I, I've never really 
imagined having children in my life. So yeah, I, I don't feel a pressing need to have them. It's fine if we don't. And I was like, splendid, wonderful. And we had a relationship and it was honestly, in many ways, a really wonderful, intimate, deeply healthy and caring relationship. Um, I had my surgery. He, uh, so at the time I was living in New York, uh, my former partner is Scottish. So he flew to the States to be there for me for the surgery to help take care of me afterwards. He was so supportive and amazing. Um, and you know, when the doctor asked him what he thought about it, he completely had, had my back, which I'm so grateful for. And I healed. I moved to Scotland. We lived together for about a year and a half. Um, our whole relationship is about two years long, but my former partner is the kind of person who, he is not a long-term thinker. And this, I think, is ultimately a detriment. Because for me, I know I have definite goals that I want to hit. I know where they are. And how I get there, you know, that path is maybe a little flexible. Maybe it takes a few turns I didn't quite expect. But I know where I'm going. And, and he does not. And so he, if I can see, like, the end of the path, but the road is a little foggy, for him, he can only see sort of one step ahead of where he's at. So he, he moves one step forward, he sees the next step in front of him. He moves mm -hmm. a step, he sees a step, moves a step, sees a step. So as we've, you know, we had done all these things where I moved to Scotland, we're living together, we met each other's families, you know, and had serious conversations with them. And, you know, we're doing all these big sort of couple milestones and we're living together and we've set up this sort of established routine and everything is happening and we hit, we're hitting anniversaries and blah, 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 blah. It's only as we're moving down the path step by step by step by step that that final step is illuminated for him where he realizes, oh, I do want children. Mm. Which is like, ugh, I literally talked about this on the first date. Yeah. <laughs> um, Obviously, I, I would never go back. You know, I would rather. It's not like I would. I wish the relationship had never happened or anything like that. It was a wonderful experience. I learned a lot. I'm, you know, I'm sure hoping he did too. Um, but ultimately, this inability to think concretely about the future, this inability to have that internal self awareness, to do that sort of emotional homework, to really think about what do I want, what are my goals let me think about children and what it means for my life. You know, because he wasn't able to do that in the same way I was, it, it ended our relationship, um, which sucks. Yeah. <laughs> or it sucks, I should say. I'm, I'm doing pretty, pretty darn good now, if I do say so myself. But, <laughs> you know, that's, that's for a whole other podcast. Hell but, yes. But, um, <laughs> but at the time, you know, at the time I was, I was completely heartbroken. You know, I really thought this person was the love of my life. And I really had a lot of resentment because, you know, I had, been, I had tried to be so clear from the beginning that this issue was important to me, where I stood on it. You know, he, he flew to America to help me have the surgery and help me recover from it. It's not like he was in the dark about what I thought about and what yeah. I wanted. And, you know, so it's just that lack of introspection and that lack of emotional connectedness to himself, uh, you know, it really backfired. Yeah. And so that's something that now, you know, if I have a, another serious partner in the future, I'm going to be definitely wary of. I'm going to try to be much more insistent, like, no, we're, we're, we're going to have, like, a whole really intense conversation about, like, how definitely we both don't want children because uh, – 
that's not something I'd like to replicate in my life. But also for him, right? Let's say he meets someone and they get along really, really well, but she's like naturally infertile. Yeah. Well, then what's he going to do? You know, what's that situation going to be like? Or what if he meets a partner and she thinks she wants children, but then over time she's like, oh, you know what? I really don't. You know, it's it's something that completely changes a relationship and, and how you can move forward with a partner in the future yeah. for both of us. Absolutely. And it just shows how important communication is. And I feel like with with you two, it's, it's different because it sounds like you were communicating and he just yeah. was, he just kind of was functioning on a different speed. And Well, the and, way, I think the main issue with, with my former partner and I and that was that we were, we were both very communicative. I don't blame our lack of communication as a couple. What I blame is his lack of communication with himself. Like, I had done all of this sort of soul-searching and thinking and exploring and rationalizing why I wanted what I wanted about my body. Um, but he, you know, he doesn't have a uterus, so he never really thought about it. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a, a degree, a few degrees of separation between a man and like the biological potential of a child, right? Yeah. Um, or at least that's how we're taught in the culture. You know, it's sort of always seen as like the woman's uh, responsibility to have a child because she's the one who bears it. So even though the man, you know, helps make it, there, there's a lot less of a, a tie, sort of connecting like the man to the child yeah um sort of culturally um so maybe that's part of it maybe because i'm a woman you know because i've you know we get our periods when we're children and we we think about them a lot we deal with this a lot maybe i had had reason to do this emotional homework when he didn't um but the fact is i think that he didn't do that introspection he wasn't connected to himself he didn't know what he thought and felt and why and i think that's why it didn't work because i knew what i wanted and i knew why um but he he only saw what he wanted when we were going so far down the path like we had to take every single step of the way to get there before the next step made him realize like oh i actually don't want children whereas i had seen that from the start yeah so I think, but I think this is also an issue with a lot of men uh, and a lot of women too. A lot of women also struggle with this. Um, yeah. But I think generally men are, are less encouraged to be emotionally introspective. They're less encouraged to think about themselves yeah. and what they want for their happiness and especially how this relates to women in their lives and children in their lives and families. Well, I mean, that's quite an interesting another effect of the patriarchal system probably that men are brought up that they are that they go out they work they bring they bring home the bacon like that's they're they're taught that they're not taught that they can be emotionally available and in touch and connected and you're right it's it's missing from a lot of men and and women as well who don't have that kind of learning early on yeah. Well, because I think a lot of, a lot of, the, for example, it's it's more acceptable for a woman to act like a man, you know, whatever that means, than it is for a man to act like a woman. Yeah. You know, there's so many insults that that you call men that are related to women. You know, down to body parts, calling men sissy. You throw like a girl. Only you know, you cry like a girl. Whatever it is. Yeah. Um. But but there's no real insult like that's equating to masculinity. Like the mm-hmm. closest thing is to call someone a dick. But that's not. That's yeah. not 
the same thing as like insulting someone's sort of personhood I guess yeah well even Um, like the only one I could think of was calling someone butch and even that it's like it's it's almost got more of a kind of positive because it's like if you're saying oh she's really butch it's like she's just she is more masculine therefore stronger yeah whereas calling someone a sissy or calling someone yeah exactly like cry like a girl or yeah, yeah, um, or mummy's boy. Is, That's the other one, isn't it? Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Because, it, but again, the insult is the tie to femininity. Yeah. Like, if you say someone is his father's son, that's a compliment. Yeah. So it, it's a sort of a different thing. Um, but I think that, like, I guess what 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 inspired me to reach out to you guys was this idea that uh, I think there are several interesting narratives that my situation can kind of highlight which is uh you know firstly that you as a woman can have an idea of your bodily autonomy and your future even very young and that we should have the legal rights to make these decisions about our bodies whether they be to have our tubes removed whether they be to have a child whether they be to have an abortion whether they be to be on birth control whether they be to be abstinent you know whatever it is we deserve the rights to make our choices about our body and I think that's thing number one and then I think for me thing number two is about medical paternalism because you know there are many many ways that people do this you know doctors in offices obviously who deny people surgeries that they feel they need um and this isn't just about like like cis women's healthcare, but even like uh, for trans people or gender non-conforming people, if they feel like they need a surgery, and a doctor might say, well, I don't know if you're ready for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if you really need that, that, that medical paternalism through the lens of, of sexism and through the, the patriarchal system that we have in, in our world uh, to really, really hurt people and really take away their ability to live their, the, their, the, their lives with the most potential possible for their happiness and success and then I think the third thing is that we need to encourage everyone but especially men because men are not encouraged to do so to really be in touch with their own wants and needs and desires because what I will say to my partner's credit is that he's very emotionally intelligent about other people mm-hmm. but he's very he's like a really good friend if you want to like hash out a problem, he will listen. He'll come up with ideas. He's very, very good at sorting through other people's emotional sort of cloudiness. Mm-hmm. But he can't turn that lens back on himself, and that I think is a great, great weakness. Um, and it's going to probably continue causing him problems until he learns how to actually do that. Because uh, I think that anyone would suffer if they don't actually know what they think and feel and want. How can they move forward? in a life that will make them happy if they don't actually know what they feel or think or want. So true. So I just want, I want like men and women both to be able to ask themselves hard questions and come up with maybe difficult answers, but pursue them to, mm-hmm. to the point of their happiness. Yeah. So if it even comes back and they think, shit, I don't know, because actually it's funny you say that. I've recently been kind of on a bit of a, a journey of kind of, really connecting with myself and because I think I'm quite similar to him in that way of I'm great at understanding other people's emotions but sometimes I do disconnect from my own and I, I don't think about what I really want and I think it's really important to be able to say 
that's not something I fully know yet, but I am working to get there and taking that kind of active journey yourself, taking responsibility for your own emotional understanding and your, your personal growth and your own happiness and really allowing yourself the time to to check in on yourself and see what you really want and what really works for you. Yeah, because we, we should not be afraid to admit our ignorance, right? Not knowing something is a perfectly viable answer because if if there's there are things that we don't know about ourselves, about how we would react in certain situations, um, and as circumstances change, you know, we, we may think that we have one stance but then find that, you know, things are a little bit different. And so we should have the courage to be able to say, like, genuinely, I don't know, but I'm figuring it out, or I'm putting in the work, or I'm going to therapy and talking it through with people, you know, I'm, I'm sharing my emotional concerns with my friends, instead of only me being an ear to them, I'm letting them be an ear to me, like, you know, I think that vulnerability can be really powerful if you use it to, to learn truths about yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Sarah, well, it has been what an amazing conversation and thank you so much for sharing everything that you've shared so openly and so intelligently and it's just, we really appreciate you taking the time to get in touch with us and share everything. Thank you. Thank you so much and I hope that, you know, if, if there's anything, I would just say, like, thank you so much for giving me the chance to share my experience. And I hope that even if, you know, anyone listening to this, you know, maybe can't relate about anything I've said, right? Whether that's about getting my tubes removed or maybe they haven't experienced medical paternalism or, you know, they don't have a need to remove parts of their body, <laughs> you know, to secure their, their hope of a future. I still hope that, you know, any listener would take the time to really ask themselves questions about what it means to own their body, what it means to own their future, and the power that they can have when they are given the options to have those choices, and how they can try to help other people have those same choices and freedoms too. Amazing. You're amazing. That's it. You're You're just amazing. amazing.